1019. Jeff Wagner, so glad to have you with us as we go into the Easter weekend. A lot of ground to cover on today's program. Let's talk about California. Now, I have always felt that if the map of the United States was marbles and you picked up that map of the United States containing all the marbles and you shook it, all the loose marbles would roll to California, with the exception of a couple that might stop off in Dane County. Here is the latest example. California has a law which says that if there is a product which contains a known carcinogen, all right, something that could cause cancer, for example, um, what happens is it has to be disclosed to people. Okay, it kind of makes sense. The idea, first of all, there has to be a warning label to tell you that, hey, you know, if you use this particular product, you may be, you know, prone to get to get cancer, for example. In addition, the law also says that a company, a business, an institution can be fined as much as $2,500 for every person exposed to the chemical since 2002. So here's the idea. If you have some evil company that has been having, you know, they've got some carcinogen in in the product, and consumers are consuming it without knowledge that there's a carcinogen, we want to punish that company. All right, this has also been a gold mine for a series of lawyers who are out there, you know, lawyers who are um, saying, okay, look, I mean, I, I can get legal fees out of this, civil penalties. All right, well, up to $2,500 a person, and maybe I can get my thing. All right, here, what are we going to do, and what are we going to sue? Well, here's the story. Um, coffee. Now, Gru, who's producing the show today and always, are you a coffee drinker? You are. Okay. Coffee. There, what you do to, to make coffee is you take these things called coffee beans and you roast the coffee beans, right? That's the process of it. You roast them. Well, as a, what happens is if you take coffee beans, natural coffee beans, and you roast them, what happens in the process of roasting is that a certain chemical called acrylamide is produced. Now, now this it's not like you've added this chemical to the coffee beans. It's just what happens. You heat the coffee beans, and as part of the natural roasting process, acrylamide is formed. And, and acrylamide, actually, it's the... Sort of, it's this chemical that again, it's a naturally formed chemical. You heat it, this is what happens, and it's what causes the coffee beans to get their flavor. Presumably, if this chemical that comes out as part of the roasting process was not there, coffee wouldn't taste like coffee, and people like to have coffee. All right, now as a general rule, now people are all over the map when it comes to to coffee. For example, there's number of studies that find that if you drink coffee, it is associated with a decreased risk of many cancers, including breast cancer, colon cancer, and prostate cancer. And I think the conventional medical wisdom is that coffee can, in moderation, 
can be part of a healthful diet. So where are we going with this? Well, okay, you roast the coffee beans, and it creates this thing called, again, acrylamide. That's part of the natural process. Um, acrylamide has been studied by the American Cancer Society. And the American Cancer Society has found that acrylamide increases the risk of cancer in rats and mice when the chemical is placed in animals' drinking water at doses 1,000 to 10,000 times higher than the levels people might be exposed to in foods. All right? So if you take this pure chemical and you add it to the drinking water of rats in enormous quantities, 1,000 to 10,000 times higher than the level that people might have in food, and the rats drink them, um, it may, it may increase the likelihood that the rats are going to get some form of, of cancer. Um, the American Cancer Society has no clue how this translates to humans. But, you know, again, massive doses of this particular chemical could lead to cancer in rats. Well, what's happened is these lawyers have sued the uh, coffee manufacturers, Starbucks and 7-Eleven and all these places that sell coffee, saying, all right, you know, you are selling a product that has carcinogens in it, and you have failed to disclose. You haven't had warning labels saying coffee could cause cancer. Earlier this week, a local judge in Los Angeles ordered um, coffee companies across the state to put a cancer warning label on all cups of coffee, saying that consuming coffee could cause cancer. And, and here's where the attorneys are really hoping for. The next phase is to determine whether or not these coffee companies should be fined. Like I say, you could be fined up to $2,500 for every person that has consumed, I don't know, a Starbucks coffee, for example, since 2002. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And by the way, did I mention that this chemical is a natural part of the roasting process? Now, interestingly, under the California law, if a chemical that happens to be potentially carcinogenic is contained in a raw product, well, okay, then then you don't have to put a warning label on it. But in this case, you roast the beans. It's not an additive thing. You roast the beans, and it creates this particular product. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this is the height of absurdity. A naturally occurring chemical, when, for example, coffee beans are heated, to say that something that has been consumed, I mean, my goodness, how long have people been drinking coffee? To say, number one, that you need to put a warning label on coffee, and number two, to potentially subject 7-Eleven or Starbucks or whatever to fines for failure to have these warnings, I think is the height of absurdity. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss next. Should coffee have warning labels saying it might contribute to cancer? And the truth of the matter is, like I say, 
moderate coffee consumption reduces the likelihood of many types of cancer. 414-799-1620, we discuss next. It's 117, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 120, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you're just tuning in, uh, a California judge just ruled that all coffee sold in the state is going to have to contain warning labels saying it, it it contains a carcinogen that could lead to cancer. That's because when when you take coffee beans and you you brew them, you don't add stuff to them, but it naturally produces a chemical that gives the coffee the flavor. And the American Cancer Society says, well, you know, we, we we've taken this chemical, you know, and we take the pure chemical and we put it in rat's water, ten thousand times the consumption that a human would have. It may cause cancer. And based on that, there's now going to be warning labels on coffee and some of the buzzards that work in the legal profession, they're going to be trying to get damages because this weird California law says if somebody hasn't disclosed a carcinogen, you can get $2,500 potentially per person. Let's start with Mike in Mount Pleasant. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi there. Um, this is a drastic example of Shocking stupidity and alarming idiocy. I mean, like you you just said, the carcinogen has not been added to it and has not been proven, most importantly, to cause cancer in humans. Right, right. And they say in rats, if you use it in amounts 1,000 to 10,000 times greater than the amount that a human would consume in food, it might be bad for the rat. Okay, might be. <laughs> you know, come on. Exactly. I mean, as a matter of fact, if this really goes through, and they might have, you know, they will have, for example, they will have to put stickers on, uh, you know, coffee products. Right. And I, uh, they should mention the fact that it causes cancer in A, in animals at those levels. Right. B, has not been proven to cause cancer in humans. Matter of fact, the lighter roasted beans, I know for a fact, have been proven to prevent cancer because uh, the lighter roast uh, coffees are higher in antioxidants. Right. And, and that's what, throat. right, I mean, thanks for calling, Mike. See, and that's what they say. I mean, the, the, the verifiable studies show that moderate consumption, and I don't, I, you know, I'd have to look at them to define exactly what moderate is, but moderate consumption of coffee is actually part of a healthy diet and can help reduce certain types of cancers like prostate cancer, colon cancer, and breast cancer. So, you know, we, we don't say that, but instead we're going to put these scary warning labels on. And let's be honest about this. This lawsuit is not about the warning labels, right? This lawsuit is about buzzards who are circling, trying to find a way to make a quick buck. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go after the Starbucks of the world and the 7-Elevens of the world. We're going to go after all these places that have been selling coffee, and we're going to say, gee, how many different people did you sell coffee to in California since 2002? And we're going to try to get damages for $2,500 for every one of those person people. And, and by the way, you know, we're going to be collecting our legal fees based on that. And, of course, you've got some dippy California judge that buys into it. Yeah, these are the California values that I think uh, Rebecca Dallet, who's running for state Supreme Court, talks about. Luke and Racine. Luke, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. How's it going? Hi, Luke. I, I disagree with you. I think you use the word absurd. Um, like, what's next? Are they going to make us start uh, putting labels on cars that say, if you breathe the exhaust fumes, you're going to get cancer, too? Like, Funny you should mention that. <laughs> Funny you should mention that. There have been pushes to put warnings in parking garages, in closed parking garages, 
that you, you know, if you hang around in the parking garages, you can be exposed to high levels of carcinogens, you know, because gee, you're in an underground parking garage, somebody starts their car. Yeah, do we really need warning labels saying, you know, um, if you hang out here for long periods of time, you might be dre- breathing noxious, noxious fumes. Who doesn't know that? <laughs> right. And I, I think I'd like to mention, like, I work um, in the coffee industry, so, like, the the damages that, you know, just overall sales because people will buy into this junk, um, you know, that could affect, uh, it's a family-run business, and that could affect our business just because people are scared now to drink coffee. Like, right. I don't know, what's, ne- what's next? Well, right, right, exactly. Thanks. That's the whole issue. The question becomes, what's next? Now, look, I, I understand, you know, this whole purpose behind a law that says, look, if you've got a business that is putting something together that has carcinogens in it, you know, something that could cause cancer, you should notify people of it. I get that. I have no problem with the concept. But like I say, what's happened here is you have a bunch of circling buzzards who've tried to figure out, all right, there's this chemical here that comes from the natural production of this. And, and by the way, it's not just coffee. Coffee is where you had the warning label. They're, they're also pushing um, potato chips because the the whole process of again making a potato chip you you have to you fry it right that that's what it is you take the potato you fry it and as part of that process um it, it also like this this acrylamide fried potatoes contain acrylamide so if you're one of making potato chips again you're not adding anything to it it's a naturally occurring thing that happens when you add heat to the potatoes. The same law firm that is representing, uh, same law firm that is representing the, the people going after the coffee industry. Yeah, they're going after the potato chip manufacturers as well. Now, look, I don't think anybody would argue potato chips are a health food, but to say that they are a danger because, gee, you you fry up the potatoes. And it's going to cause this. Well, where do you draw the line? Because does that mean when you fry potatoes for breakfast, you have the same thing happen? The answer is maybe yes. California, again, if it's a map of the United States made of marbles, you shake it. Every loose marble rolls to California, except a handful of them that stop off in Dane County. 126, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 135, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I, I did want to mention something. Uh, it was news that we broke at, at Insight. Um, during the interview with Governor Walker, he announced that he was not going to appeal a liberal Dane County judge's order that he schedule special elections essentially immediately um, to the Supreme Court. Um, I, I think, and it, it's interesting, I had a chance to talk to the governor before we, we went on, on stage, and I, I think... It, let me back up on this. The law in the state of Wisconsin, when it comes to scheduling a special election, it is a mess. It's just that the legislator, legislature made changes a few years back, and it's, it's just, it, it is vague in the extreme. What needs to happen is the law needs to be writ, rewritten to say, if there is a, a vacancy, like a legislative vacancy that is created before a certain date, all right, then there needs to be a special election. And you can pick whatever that date is. If there, if the vacancy occurs after a certain date, then it should stay open and be filled, you know, at, at the next regularly scheduled election. And, and I don't know. It would seem to me to make sense that 
Okay, if, for example, if a vacancy occurs after, if there's a regularly scheduled election to fill the seat in 2018, let's say November of 2018, it would make sense to me to say, okay, if the vacancy occurs as of January 1st, um, then it doesn't have to be filled. Or pick whatever date, March 1st, you know, what, whatever date. Um, the law doesn't say that, so the law is vague. This judge in Dane County, what, what's been going on here is you have Eric Holder, who, again, very, very liberal, my opinion, the most, um, the worst unindicted attorney general in the state, in the history of the country. Um, he's part of this group that's going around trying to elect Democrats across the country. So what happens is, back in December, a, a state assembly person and a state senator, both Republicans, resigned to take positions with the Walker administration. Okay? The governor makes the decision based on the timing of this and given the fact that the legislature is going to knock off for the year in in March, that it makes no sense to spend tens of thousands of dollars scheduling a special election, essentially to elect someone who isn't, who even if they win the seat, um, by the time they win the seat, number one, the legislature is going to be out of session and number two, they're going to be running for regular election to a full term in November. So the governor says, look, I, I'm not going to spend you know, the money. I'm not going to have the taxpayers spend this kind of money to try to fill these particular seats. You know, there's, there's still people working in the offices doing constituent services and all, but there's no need to do this. Well, what, what Eric Holder's group is, again, they're trying to elect Democrats. So they parachute into Wisconsin and they say, well... We've seen how a couple of these special elections have gone, and, and we think maybe we have a chance to take some of these Republican seats and we can win them. Now, it's not going to change control of the state legislature um, a, at all. Um, so they file this lawsuit, and the judge says, um, okay, we're going to, again, it's a Dane County judge, okay, we're going to order you to have these special elections. Now, Scott Walker could have appealed it to the state Supreme Court, but as we were talking about the other night before we went on the air, he just said, he said to me, he said, look, this, this isn't an issue that we need to take to the Supreme Court. It's not a Supreme Court worthy issue. So, if the judge wants me to do this, fine. And so he's ordered the special elections for, um, I, I think they're going to be in June is when they are going to occur. Um, so, you, you have this special election. So whoever, so what that means is, you know, people can go out and they can start circulating, nominating petitions now. There may be a primary election. There may be a general election, the special election. And so you'll have a state senator and you'll have a state representative that will be elected who will essentially serve a handful of months. Here's where it gets even weirder. April 15th is the date where you can start circulating nominating papers for the, the regular election, which is going to be scheduled in November, primary in August. So conceivably, you could be running for that special election seat and circulating nominating papers. At the same time, you're also serving, circulating nominating papers for the, the regular seat. It, it really is an incredible waste of money. Here's the bottom line of all this. Again, this is this isn't about representation. This is about an effort to let's see if I guess first of all 
we can somehow have lightning strike, gain extra momentum, pick up a, a seat that the Republicans have held, and maybe use that as momentum in November. That that's this. This is political. It is nothing more. And as a result of this, the taxpayers of the state of Wisconsin are going to be spending tens of thousands of dollars, maybe even more. Um, on what is really going to be a pointless election. Let me go out on a limb one step further. Democrat, the Democrats aren't going to win any of these, either one of these elections. The, in these special elections, Republicans are going to win that assembly seat. It's a Republican Senate seat, and it's a Republican assembly seat. The Republicans are going to win. So we're going to spend tens of thousands of dollars, and for the Democrats who hope it's going to, oh, give them some extra momentum or something, that's not going to play out that way either. Just mark my words as to how all this happens. But the bottom line of this is, first of all, I do think the law needs to be changed and clarified. They should say, all right, resign after a certain date. No need for a special election. Resign before that. You call the special election. So that, that would be the easy way around it. I think it's what should happen. Um, the law kind of got botched up when they moved up the partisan primaries. They used to be in September. Now they moved them up to, to August. And so the law kind of got botched up. But for everybody who thinks, oh, this is going to be this huge victory, or some of the ridiculous pundits out there, this was Scott Walker trying to deny people representation, you really desperately need to get a life. Okay, when we come back, need to talk to some female Trump voters about some very provocative stuff that one of the Hollywood elites was uh, saying the other day. Stick around. It's 142. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 145. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It is, of course, Good Friday. And Christians, this is perhaps the um, holiest time of the year. What are the chances that the Democratic National Convention actually comes to Milwaukee? Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett spearheads the effort, and he joins John McCure and Melissa Barkley at 420 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. So, Gru, what do you think the odds are that Milwaukee could get the Democratic National Convention? You say we'll see. Okay, well, that I would say slim to none. Now, you've got the Lazarus who um, provide a ton of money, so I guess... That would be the question. Are they going to finance this and all? Well, we'll see. The big problem is, again, hotel space. You, you know, that's uh, aside from everything else. The question is, do you, you normally you have conventions in places where you've got a lot more hotel rooms than you have here. But, you know, we will see. All right. We talked earlier this week and we're going to be doubling back on this during Pop Culture Corner coming up in just a little bit. But we talked about the, the Roseanne show, um, the reboot of Roge- Roseanne came out this week it has been a huge 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 rating success and part of it as a matter of fact there's an interesting story in the new york times today about how after president trump won um these hollywood executives got together at abc and they said you know we're you know we're we're missing something the, the bubble of the east coast and the west coast we're we're missing mainstream america and we really haven't been programming towards them and they came up with a again Let's see if we can reboot Roseanne, and we'll do it in this particular fashion. And again, it, it turned out to be a success, because as we talked about the other day, I mean, since President Trump was elected, there has been this relentless drumbeat. I mean, a pretty much a uniformity in the entertainment industry about how Trump is dumb, uh, Trump is a racist, anybody that supports him is dumb is a, or is a racist. And, and that's been that's been the tone of pretty much everything. I think Roseanne touched a nerve by coming up with a different uh, approach. But following up on sort of like Hillary Clinton and her, her basket of 
deplorables. Um, there's there's one of the she's a comedian, Sandra Bernhardt, um, and she's she uh, stand up comedian, very very liberal. Um, she has a supporting role on the Roseanne show. And she was, again, doing these interviews in connection with this. And they got to talking about politics. She goes on MSNBC, it figures, and she says she doesn't understand how any woman could support Trump unless they were, and this is her quotation, not mine, under the thumb of their husbands. Here's what she says yesterday. A lot of women have compromised given in, raised their kids, and not had the luxury of being able to think for themselves. They are under the thumb of the thumb of their husbands. And that perhaps the reason why a woman would vote for Trump was because they were intimidated by, wait for it, Hillary Clinton's intelligence. Maybe it was being so offended by Hillary and Bill Clinton's legacy that they turned on her. Or feeling inadequate, feeling like how can somebody be so educated? How can somebody be, uh, how somebody be, who brought themselves up from their experience and gone to the top, educated herself, fought for rights, civil rights and equality? And I think that is threatening to a lot of women. All right. Let's open up the phone lines, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here you have, from the bubble of Hollywood, another one of these actresses saying, any woman that voted for Trump, well, you just can't think for yourself. You must be under the thumb of your husband. Or or maybe maybe it's because you were so intimidated by what a smart resourceful, brilliant woman Hillary was that you were perhaps jealous. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I would be curious to talk to some of you ladies who made the decision to vote for President Trump. Was it because you were under the thumb of your husband or your employer, or was it because you were just so intimidated by Hillary that gosh, you were you were just jealous of that. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Well, I have a number of comments about this, but for you ladies who are Trump voters, what do you think? We discuss next. It's one fifty. If you're on the line, please hold on. One fifty. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. One fifty four. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. That's the Stones. I can't get no satisfaction. My producer, Drew, was busy answering phone calls during the break, or I would have said what we really needed is Under My Thumb as, as the background music. Sandra Bernard, who's a very liberal comedian, she's uh, got a supporting role in Roseanne. She, she's she's out there saying, yeah, I, I understand. We're, we're talking about Trump, and that, that's what the Roseanne show is all about. And I, I just can't believe that any woman would have voted for him. The only reason you would have voted for Trump is either you were so intimidated by how brilliant Hillary Clinton was that you were, were jealous or alternatively, you were under the thumb of your husband. Here's a text. My fiancé is smart, has a bachelor's degree, runs her own business, and voted for Donald Trump. Wonder where she went wrong. Well, she must be under your thumb. Let's talk to Diane in Fremont. Diane, you're on WTFJ. Hello. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I, I, I just about fell out of my seat when I... <laughs> 
first I don't. I swear, I'm not making this up, Diane. <laughs> well, first of all, I voted for Trump. I got a degree in mathematics. I'm not stupid. All I kept thinking was during the election, we got slim pickings this year, mm-hmm. and I felt like Trump was the lesser of two evils. You weren't. Are you? Are you sure it wasn't just this sort of? This this female self-hatred because Hillary was just so smart and so successful that you maybe subconsciously, you know, felt intimidated by her? I don't feel like she's that smart. If she sticks around a fellow like her husband who cheats so much, what? how right. smart is that? <laughs> right. So yours is just you viewed it as the binary choice and you thought he was the better the, the better of those two choices. Correct. Yeah. How insulting. I mean, that that this is it, this idea. Look, I, I mean, I, I understand that people have different approaches, but how insulting is it, especially for one woman to say to another, if you don't see things the way I do, it, it must be because you're you're intimidated either by Hillary Clinton or you're under the thumb of whatever man is in your life. I mean, how insulting is that? Well, it's very insulting, but I I have to believe that she made that comment just to get a reaction out of people. I mean, who, who says stuff like that and really means it? Hillary Clinton. Thanks. I mean, this this is that whole basket of deplorable stuff. Yeah. Well, you, you'd like to think, OK, are you just saying these things to be provocative? And maybe there's an element of it. But I'm not sure, Diane. I mean, I, I think there is this bubble out there. You've got the liberal elite bubble that really does, in fact, believe that, that she everybody thinks the way we do. No woman could have possibly voted against Hillary or voted for Donald Trump unless there was something going on. Sandy in Oconomowoc. Sandy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. I said, I'm sorry I wasn't your first caller. I had to check with my husband first to see if I could even call in. <laughs> can, I, can, can, I, can I dial the phone, honey? Yeah, really? Exactly. So once I got his permission, no. Uh, same thing. I have a college degree. I have a successful career. I am not intimidated by Hillary. I was scared the heck or scared to death if she would have won what damage she would have done to our country. So yeah. it was 100% my choice. He also voted. So not a, <laughs> I, I didn't tell him who to vote for, but I think he's a pretty smart man. So maybe that's why I'm attracted to my husband as well. But. <laughs> wait, wait, how, I mean, I go, the same thing I just talked about with the first caller, Diane. How, how insulting is this to think that Okay, if you're a woman, there, there's only one way you can vote. And if you choose to vote uh, in a different way than that, well, there must be there must be something wrong. You must be dumb or jealous or, you know, intimidated by whatever man is in your life. How insulting to think like that. It's very insulting. And even concerts I've been to, I, I remember being at a Madonna concert. This goes back when Obama was running and she had a big tattoo. It's okay for them to tell us what we should do. <laughs> Right. Obviously, I didn't listen to her either, but yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. they live in a different world, that's it, for sure. It, it is. Th- thanks for call. And, and again, I, I, just, I, I mean, I understand there's some people would say, well, they're, they're, this is pro- just trying to be provocative and get a rise out of people. I don't think so. I honest to goodness don't think so. I think this is the mindset that is out there. Mike and Fondelac sends me a text. My sisters and my daughters um, are, are okay. If all those remarks were not so laughable and unbelievable, I'd be upset and I'm a man. However, I think her comments are extremely insulting to my sisters and my daughter. She should be ashamed of herself. Well, yeah, but that's, that is the thinking. It's the same stuff that led to the whole basket of deplorable stuff. It's 159.
We're back with lots more in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 209, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Eric, before you go, I apologize for putting you in the spot. Uh-oh. That clip we had from the news with, with Chris Abley, and can, can we pull that up and, and play yeah, that? Yeah, you want to hear it again? Oh, oh yeah. I okay. want to... I want to hear it again. Absolutely. So, so Mercure caught up with them. Right. And they're, of course, asking about that, that donation. So here it is. How much of your own money is in Leadership Milwaukee? It's coming up on a little over half a million. That's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. And people have said, uh, hey, you know, why don't you uh, give money to uh, scholarships? Uh, well, I do. And a lot more than that. I've been doing that for 20 years. I just don't tweet and post and hashtag about it. I do it because I care. I don't know what to say about that. Okay, so here, here's the here's the background of this, it, it, including, like, like, hey, hey, Abley, I mean, why don't you kind of answer the question instead of changing it around? I mean, here, here's the deal, and, and this kind of pains me because, candidly, the Milwaukee County Board is a clown car act, and, and, and Chris Abley and the county board deserve each other. I mean, really, it's kind of like a pox on all their houses. But but here's here's the deal. Um a couple years ago, the county board, it was made a part-time board because what we found is as a full-time board, they had too much time on their hands and they created all sorts of havoc. So the, the job pays twenty four grand. The county board chairman, Theo Lipscomb, makes thirty six grand. So, I mean, it's, it, it's really, it is not intended to be a, part, uh, a full-time job. Chris Abley, who is rich with his father's money, has spent over $500,000 um, funneled through this group called Leadership Milwaukee. But, but he's responsible for 98% of the group's funding. Um, I mean, I'm looking at a chart up there. Um, he, they apparently have had like, like $15,000 in contributions from other people. All the rest of the money comes from Abley. Uh, Fox Six, Fox Six actually says the group has gotten like almost eight hundred thousand dollars, and ninety eight percent of that comes from Abley. The group has funneled five hundred and eight thousand dollars into races as of March twenty fifth. So Abley has actually, I think, put hundreds of thousands of dollars more into this group, but but he's about half a million dollars of his money just spent trying to influence this particular race. So McCure says, well, you know, that's a lot of money, and Abley says, well, yeah. Um, people say, you know, why don't you give it to charity? Well, I give money to charity, too. Well, that's not really the question. The question is, is it appropriate for the county executive to be taking daddy's money and spending at that kind of pace in an effort to try to, I don't know, toss out members of the county board with whom he does not agree? Now, like I say, on the one hand, this kind of pains me because the people that are getting the biggest attention are County Board Chairman Theo Lipscomb, who bucked ably when he wanted to put in parking meters at the lakefront and who bucked ably when he wanted to have a $60 wheel tax. So um, ably being the petty guy that he is, tried to retaliate against Lipscomb by closing down that uh, the water park that is at Lincoln Park, which happens to be in Lipscomb's district. Um, so he, he's going after him. I, I saw a TV ad that this group is running against Lipscomb which is incredibly, incredibly misleading. Now, I have no love lost for Theo Lipscomb. He's dead wrong on, like, the Esterbrook Park Dam and things like that. But because he stood up to ably, he's having a ton of money thrown against him. 
Um, the, the other races that Abley is playing in, again, is county board leadership. Peggy West. Now, again, this pains me. Peggy West is the less than bright bulb who got confused about whether or not Arizona shares a border with, with Mexico. Remember that one? Um, and then Steve Taylor, who, who, as opposed to a, Steve Taylor is a jerk, in my opinion. He's just a jerk. But, um, and matter of fact, that's kind of coming out, um, the way he treats other supervisors and stuff. He, he's a jerk. Um, he's right on more issues than a lot of members of the county board. But, um, that, that's kind of playing out as well. Matter of fact, Deanne Alexander's been circulating stuff talking about what a jerk Steve Taylor is. But, but they're all part of county leadership. So they're being targeted by Chris Abley. Now, these are for jobs. Okay, he's spending, again, this election cycle, over a half million dollars of his slash dad's money to try to, you know, win seats that, that pay 24 grand. <laughs> I mean, they're part-time jobs that pay 24 grand. There is nothing illegal about Chris Abley doing what he's doing. But here's the problem, and it, it pains me to, like, for example, encourage somebody to vote for Peggy West. But here's, here is the problem. What Abley is doing is it's twofold. Number one, he is trying to pack the county board with people who are either going to be his toadies who are going to, you know, not oppose him or and or he is sending a message to other people on the county board. When I want to do something, when I want to put in that $60 wheel tax, you better not vote against me because if you do, I'm going to spend as much money as it takes to try to defeat you. Let me give you a little bit of perspective on this. Like I say, as of um, earlier this week, this this group, which is Leadership Milwaukee, whenever you see that, it's Chris Avery. Um, this group has funneled, like I say, $508,000 into races. The 10 candidates in those races have spent a total of $51,000. So the 10 candidates... In all these races, all combined, not $51,000 apiece, all told, all put together, all 10 have spent fifty one grand. Abley, again, through this group, has spent over $508,000. Now, it, it's, it is difficult for me to say, okay, well, you know, don't you know, vote for Peggy Romo West or Peggy West, I mean, who, who's been, I think, a disaster on the county board. But the idea that the county executive is using personal wealth in such such a gross and heavy-handed fashion in an effort to influence elections has got to be troubling, and it's got to be troubling in the extreme. I don't know about you, but I think Milwaukee County residents, um, you know, want you know want a couple branches of government. And the idea that you've elected this really, 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 really rich guy, some guy with lots of inherited wealth, who's willing to throw that around and use it to stomp on his political opponents, who are, in general, guys, men and women, who aren't making a ton of money doing this and certainly can't go out for a county board seat, you're not going to be able to raise $25,000, probably much less you know, $250,000. And that's what's scary about this. And I wish, in some respects, Abley would just come out and say, I don't like these people. I am trying to pack the board 
with people who are going to support me. Forget this. Well, yes, I put in a lot of money, and people say, why don't you give money to charity? And the answer is, I do. Well, okay, the real question is, all right, you're using your wealth, your inherited wealth, to try to influence, pack the board with people, or send a message, don't oppose me. Well, then why don't we just do away with the county board and say, all right, we're going to allow some, you know, anybody that's got enough money, you can essentially be the king in Milwaukee County. And again, once again, nothing illegal about this. And some of the county board people who are being targeted, candidly, um, were they to lose, it probably wouldn't be the worst thing. But it is this process that I think has to be troubling. Stand up and oppose me. Don't vote for my $60 wheel tax. Don't vote for parking meters at the lakefront. And look what could happen to you. 218 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. When we come back, have you ever checked your work email at home? Well, at least one city is considering making it illegal. I'll tell you all about it. Stick around. 221 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Speaking of abusers, um, you know, what a horrible ending to that story out of Nicolay High School. I, I talked about this a couple times. I'm, of course, a Nicolay High School graduate. It, it comes out that um, former math teacher there, David Johnson, who was a big wheel, um, just a, um, a big wheel. I mean, I was there in the 70s. He ran the math department at the time. Nicolay had a nationally recognized math program. Um, and it, it turns out that apparently, in at least in the 80s, um, there were situations where in one, perhaps two cases, if maybe more, who, who knows, but at least a couple cases where he was involved in absolutely inappropriate contact with students. Um, what's even more troubling is this was reported to the school board and the school administrator in the 80s, and they they did almost nothing uh, about it, um, almost nothing uh, decided, well, we, we're going to talk to him and, and tell him, you know, essentially don't do this again. Just a, an absolute and total embarrassment that it would be handled in this way. And uh, a lot of the people that did it are, are dead. And I was reading an interview with one of the members of the school board saying, well, we, I, I, I didn't know, we, we weren't, I don't remember being told that there was touching. You know, if, if there was touching, I would have handled this differently. To which I, my response would be, what? What are you talking about? I mean, I, I would think if you were getting these reports saying, okay, you've got kids that are reporting, you know, inappropriate contact, et cetera, you, you would go through, you would find out if there was touching. Number two, what difference that touching, what difference does it make if you've got somebody who's a teacher that's picking kids up on weekends and taking them in and taking them into rooms, and, and for that you only give them a warning? I mean, the bottom line was this man was a big wheel at the time, and um, you had, a, unfortunately, a superintendent and other members of the school board who I think just didn't want to rock the boat. And it, it is a disgrace. And this comes from the perspective of somebody who's a Nicolay High School graduate. And then the, the tragedy ends up full circle. Reports yesterday that, appar- uh, yesterday that apparently the day before the age of 81, this, this former teacher was found, um, hung himself. Um, so apparently the fact that this had all become public with unable to deal with and so the tragedy comes full circle but um just a, a very bizarre story about a very prominent guy at this high school that i ended up going to and that th- there's so many different troubling aspects but what is most troubling is the fact that members of the school board and the superintendent either knew or should have known this was going on and chose to do almost nothing 
gee, you know, we're going to tell him don't do it again or else, you know, you're going to be fired. Huh. Don't do it again. All right. Just got a couple minutes before Pop Culture Corner. Interesting story. How many of you have ever checked your email after hours to see what's going on? When I, I think hands probably going up all, all over. You know, if you're, depending, I guess, on the nature of your job, I mean, I, I frequently check my emails and I read, you know, emails that are coming in from my colleagues, from my bosses, all sorts of stuff. And, and sometimes, you know, the emails, you, you, you respond to it, or at least you're expected to respond to it, you know, when, when you're at home. It actually, it is a convenience as far as I'm concerned to be able to do that. Well, here is the story. There are legislators in New York. This is actually New York City. There is a bill that would make it illegal for employers to require their workers to respond to work emails during non-work hours. Uh, The bill would make it illegal for private employees in New York City to be required to check and respond to their work emails or take part in work-related electronic communications during non-work hours. This legislation is similar to a law passed in France last year which requires businesses with 50 or more employees to negotiate after-hour email rules. So this idea that, you know, you, you check your emails, you would not be required to do that. 414-799-1620, I think this would be an awful idea. I think actually, you know, being able to check emails in off-duty hours um, is good because it saves you a lot of time when you get to work. Um, is this unreasonable? Do you need a law? 414-799-1620. We're back to discuss next. It's 225. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 227. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Bill in Brookfield. Bill, hello. Hi. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay, so the law would say employers could not require employees to look at work email after work. You in favor of that? I do favor that, but I think you're misinterpreting something. Don't you think that it uh, says that you don't have to, but you can if you want to? Um, well, it says you you can't be required to check and respond to work emails okay. or take that's, part that's in different. work-related electronic communications. Yeah, that's different than saying that you're not allowed to. Well, I think the way it would go is that you would be, you, you could not be, right, that you couldn't say, you have to look at this. Right. Okay, do you have a problem with that? You, you, no, I don't, but you you said that you would you find it convenient to look at your work email. Exactly. Okay, well it, the law wouldn't disallow you. Well, but to but it, but but no bill as a practical matter it, it would because if you're in general when you send out emails you're going to be sending it out to to multiple people. So if you had a situation where some people might look at it, but other people wouldn't, the effect of this would be that you would have to, what it's really designed to do is this is designed to require employers to pay people if they check their emails and develop a policy like that. Because typically, again, you're, you're going to send the, these blanket emails. I find it convenient, like I say, to look at the emails. Now, obviously, there's a bit of an abuse that could potentially go on. I, I don't think we need to become more like like France. I mean, I don't think we need to negotiate after hours email rules. Um, I, I think that, you know, it's reasonable. Again, now, if they're expecting you to you know, do stuff based on the emails that's going to require you to work 
you know, 10, 20, 30 hours extra. That's something different. But simply from an informational period and informational perspective, I, I think employers should be able to reach out to you. And I don't think it's re- unreasonable to have an expectation that, okay, maybe you would read your email. So, for example, you know, well, we've got opening day coming up. Best example. We've got opening day coming up. Um, over the weekend, the people that put together opening day send out this show plan that people who, like me, the meat puppets, we're the ones that are expected to execute it. I've got Melissa Barkley's laughing. The meat puppet thing. Wasn't well, it a band from the nineties? Well, the exactly. Meat well, that's it. You know, just okay. <laughs> just just wind me up and send me out. But all right. Um, so should WTMJ be able to require me to look at the email? You know, on on Sunday night to see who I'm going to be interviewing and what the times are. Well, I think the answer would be yeah, probably, probably yeah. I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation because I'm going to, even though I'm not going to be technically at work, I'm going to need that when I get to work on Monday morning. I just guess I think that this is another one of those things that I would describe as a solution looking for a problem. All right, um, pop culture corner this week. It's it's actually. Given given one of the things that happened this week, it's actually pretty self-evident. We're going to have some fun with that as we lead into the uh, Easter weekend. It's 2.35, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Good Friday, Easter weekend. Everybody puts on their Easter bonnets. Um, hope you're, um, I, I, I've got a full weekend scheduled, um, just an absolutely full weekend and looking forward to it. All right, uh, this is the segment we call Pop Culture Corner. We do this this time of the week. We put aside the political wrangling, and Lord knows there's been enough of that lately, and we try to have a little bit of fun. We don't go quietly into the good weekend. Um, Sometimes we talk about TV. Sometimes we talk about movies, sometimes food, sometimes sports. Uh, Typically, there is something in the news that strikes me and kind of tickles my fancy, and I hope you find it interesting as well. Uh, as we have talked about in a couple different contexts, Tuesday night, ABC relaunched the, the Roseanne show. And there, there's a big story in the New York Times today about how a- after the, the Trump election, a bunch of ABC executives got together and said, you know, we, n- none of us voted for Trump, essentially. We didn't see this coming. Obviously, we're, we're missing something. And so they ended up you know, bringing back the Roseanne show. And in the Roseanne show, she plays a supporter of Donald Trump and some of the other characters, you know, are, are liberals. And but and the bottom line is the show was a huge, huge success. 18 million viewers, the largest comedy audience for a comedy show in, in four years. Um, and, and people apparently love the reboot. Now, whether or not people continue to watch it, you know, who knows that 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 kind of all depends. A lot of times people might tune in for a curiosity factor. But one of the things that typically happens is um, once once somebody does something in television and it works, what happens is then everybody else starts to copy that. If you will remember, you know, back when you had Survivor, when was that, 2002 or whenever Survivor came out, all of a sudden Survivor captures the nation's fancy and then all of a sudden you've got this all these other different reality TV shows that come into play. When you had uh, remember back with the who who wants who uh who wants to be a millionaire. That that game and this happens with game shows every it's a cycle. It seems that 
you know, p- game shows will fall out of favor, and then every once in a while something will, you know, come out, and, and then once one succeeds, then you get a whole, you know, everything's derivative. You get a whole bunch of, of other shows that end up, you know, being the same thing. So mark my words, with the success of the Roseanne reboots, if that success has legs, now like I say, if nobody watches next week, it might be different, but I will guarantee you that there are meetings in Hollywood now, people looking over all the TV shows that have been on the air over all the decades and asking themselves the question, what, what's the next reboot? So I thought for fun, Pop Culture Corner this week, my question is, okay, what show, and it could be a comedy, it could be a drama, it could be a game show, it could be a variety show. What show would you like to see brought back and rebooted? Okay, what's going to be the next Roseanne? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. Dan, Dan, the social media man, are we up on, uh, are we up on the, the stream? Okay, in just a minute or two, um, you'll also be able to watch us if you go to WTMJ.com slash studio cam but 414-799-1620 what tv show would you like to see brought back um you could be helping some network executives because i guarantee you that is the conversation going on board gone in boardrooms now could be a comedy could be a drama you name it what would you like to see rebooted next 414-799-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line and if you go to wtmj.com slash studio cam Shortly, you will be able to watch us and hear us. Stick around. Back with your calls in just a minute. It's 2.39. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 2.43, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Pop Culture Corner, WTMJ.com slash Studio Cam. Wear my best Milwaukee Brewer shirt. Let's start with Ryan in New Berlin. Ryan, what TV show would you like to see rebooted? Walker, Texas Stranger. Ooh, Chuck Norris. Yeah. Would you like to see him back, or you want to see a new character as the uh, as the lead? I'd like to see him back as mentoring some oh. new guy to take over. Okay, yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, all right, that makes sense. I like Walker, Texas Ranger. Let's talk to Jamie in Milwaukee. Jamie, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. What TV show would you like to see again? Um, I would still wonder years would be good to have on again. It's got that Americana feel, kind of like Roseanne did, Blue Collar Family. You could bring back the kids. They'd be adults with their kids now. Oh, Oh, like Fred Savage and all? You bring him back, but then yeah. show... Uh, interesting. You know, Leave It to Beaver tried that years ago. They showed him as adults with their kids having the problems. I used to love The Wonder Years. I used to love it. Yeah. I had a... Did you have a... Okay, be honest. Did you have a crush on Winnie Cooper? Well, of course. Yeah, me too. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks for going. Me, me too. No question about it. 414-799-1620. Jake in Kenosha. Jake, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. Thanks for the call. Yeah, thanks for calling. What do you think? Uh, cheers. Oh, you know, um, new characters are the same ones, just older. I would go older. Yeah, I mean, right, right, right. I mean, you know, Woody Harrelson, uh, yeah. Ted Danson, um, yeah. Diane, what's her name? Uh, yeah, um, uh, Shelley Law who play yeah. Diane. Yeah, bring them all back. Um, yeah, yeah that, that, that's interesting. Frazier, thanks for calling. I mean, what's what's Kelsey Grammer doing nowadays? He might have some time. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty TV show you would like to see rebooted. Diane in Mount Pleasant. Diane, you're on WTMJ. E-R. E-R. Okay. Now, see, I used to, when that was part of must-watch TV, 
I, I on Thursday nights at, at the beginning when it had Anthony Edwards and George Clooney and uh, Julianne Margulies. I used to watch it. I it I, I kind of got tired of it after five or six or seven years. But you'd like to see it come back, huh? Definitely, definitely. Was it what was it that you liked so much about it? I uh, just the, the way they fast paced, yeah, and all of their characters. No, no, it, no, you're right. No, th- th- yeah, no, thanks for. I mean, and it was it was kind of groundbreaking. It, it it was kind of groundbreaking at the time. Let's see. Let's go to our text line. Stephen West Bend says the A team. Yeah, Mr. T. Pity the fool. Um, Seinfeld, bring it back. You know, interestingly, talk about Seinfeld. I I admit I I I kind of got into Seinfeld more in the reruns than I did when it was first on. And I thought Seinfeld was one of those kind of shows that w- just wasn't going to have legs. But the truth is, it, it's just as funny now. And you could bring that show back and and pick up right where you left off with those characters. And I think it would be a huge, huge ratings hit. I have to point out because my wife and a number of her friends are really into the show friends that they would uh, be delighted to see that. Okay, uh, somebody wants a remake of Gilligan's Island. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Bill says The Office. Now, see, that would be another one I think that you could actually bring back um, all in the family. Um, I'm not sure how that would be without Carol O'Connor. Dick and Grafton says Hill Street Blues, one of my very, very favorite shows. There would not have been a Sopranos without, like, St. Elsewhere and Hill Street Blues. And that's another one. You know, you could recast it, uh, but it would still be good. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, John in Waukesha. John, you're on WTMJ. Hello. I missed combat. Really? <laughs> right. Um Really, combat yeah. boy! That you're you're going back. You're dating yourself because that's the mid '60s or something, right? Yeah, I know. I'm sorry to say that. But no, but I don't know how it would resonate today. But uh, that's one I, 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 I right. I, I no, it's a to. right exactly, and a World War II thing. Actually, um, I have a prediction here. One of uh, somebody predicts home improvement. You know, the old Tim Allen show will be the next reboot. You know, that's. There could be something to that. Um, you know, if you were looking for it, you know, that's that's one where, um, you know, Tim Allen would probably be. That's one where you could probably pick up right where you left off. And keep in mind, you know, Tim Allen, um, he's been involved. You know, he's, again, one of the few conservatives in Hollywood. Let's talk to uh, Richard in Fredonia. Richard, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Richard. Good, or good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, sir. I've been listening to you for over 10 years. Uh, <laughs> first opportunity I've had to call. Well, thanks for calling, and thanks for listening. I do appreciate it. Uh, one of the things about the Tim Allen show, I was very uh, disturbed about them taking it off the air and doing some research. I felt there were some political overtones yep. to the whole thing because of his conservatism right. and because of Donald Trump's election. Right. I, felt, I, I just felt that uh, that had much to do with it. They talked about salaries, things like that, but when it came right down to it, I really believe it was political. And I sure would like to see it come back. So last man standing. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, thanks for that. that that's one. Now, again, I, I think um, last man standing was was a, a modest success. And you're exactly right. They were, they canceled stuff that had a lot, um, that had a lot lower rate. They, they kept stuff that had a lot lower ratings. I, I do think if you were going to go to Tim Allen, I, I do go back to the home improvement. I, I think, you know, people, people love that. You could pick up with that one right where you left off. Brad in Hales Corners. Brad, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, so it, uh, Tim the Two Man Taylor, 
Home improvement. The home improvement again. I'll second that. Yeah, so, good with the wife and the and the guys, and the, you know, home improvement stuff's on such a rise right now too. Right. So you would say, do it, do it just like they did with Roseanne. Just pick her up right where they left off with the same characters. Just ten years later, or I, I forget how long it was that it went off the air, but just pick up right where it left off. Right. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for calling. You know, a um, couple texts are saying. A um, uh, couple texts are saying. Uh, WKRP in Cincinnati, which which only ran for like four seasons, and um, it, it is it, it is that, that anybody that works in radio, you know, you you still WKRP in Cincinnati is just, you know, it was one of those special sort of shows. The one thing that they didn't like, there's a lot of stuff about radio stations they didn't get right, but the one thing they they didn't get right is nobody ever had headphones on. You watch WKRP in Cincinnati, nobody has headphones on, and and you cannot you cannot do this job without having to wear headphones. But apparently. They were willing to take artistic license. Let's talk to Chuck in Milwaukee. Chuck, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, I want to see him bring back Magnum P.I. I missed that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tom Selleck or recast it? Uh, you know what? You probably have to recast <laughs> it. I don't know if you could get him to do it. On the other hand, money seems to change a lot of people's minds. But, yeah. But, you know, you get to drive that Ferrari around, live in someone else's house. It just right. was kind of like a fantasy. Right, and from the perspective of Tom Selleck, you get to shoot the show in Hawaii. I mean, how cool would that be? You know, I don't see how you could beat it. All right. right now, thanks, Nicole. Well, you know, I mean, you did have. I'm trying to think. I mean, Hawaii Five O group. Hawaii Five O is still on, isn't it? I we're not sure. Um, uh, but you know that that was an example, I, I guess, of 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 a reboot. You know, where you you took. I mean, obviously, Jack Lord isn't with us, but I mean, you you kind of you know completely recast that. This, believe me, this is going to happen. I mean, th- this is going to happen. There's going to be, you know, some show that somebody's going to say, look, we if Roseanne is successful, people, you know, want to see this. Let me tell you one that, you know, Freaks and Geeks is a show that I, I think it only ran a, a year, um, but it launched a lot of careers, and people loved Freaks and Geeks. Let's talk to Ken in Waukesha. Ken, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Matt. Mash. Would you set it in the Korean War or maybe try to modernize it? Modernize it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, thanks. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's another one. Um, You recast it. You try to do a MASH version, but maybe, well, there's nothing. I, You know, the the topics of war now are are so difficult to try to deal with, but, um, and and MASH just had that, that right tone to it. Of course, MASH was a commentary on the Vietnam War when the movie came out, but they said it in Korea to avoid some of the political stuff, but still kind of could be interesting. John in Wauwatosa. John, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Before I get to mine, you know Home Improvement, Roseanne, there are a lot of producers and writers. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. Huh. So that would be, that would be an easy one. Yeah, I, and, you know, and I, I think, and that was incredibly popular. You know, some of the ones that people are mentioning were, were only marginally popular. Home Improvement. I, You know, don't be surprised if, you know, plus uh, Tim Allen's looking for a gig, so who knows? <laughs> My pick would be having DeWitt rebooted and have Blake Lively as Samantha. Oh, okay. Were you a fan of uh, Be- the original Bewitched? Oh, that was like my favorite show as a kid. Oh, yeah. Did you have a crush on Elizabeth Montgomery? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me. How could you how could you not have a crush on Elizabeth Montgomery? <laughs> oh, she was just amazing. Right. I, and that thing she did classy. Right. And the thing she did with her nose. I absolutely thanks. What and what a great I mean, I remember the late comedian Paul Lind, he played Uncle Arthur and 
Um, you know, the original Bewitched with with Dick York, and uh, he ended up he was really physically messed up and couldn't do the show anymore. And then they brought in Dick Sargent, and that wasn't anywhere near as good. But I I remember I remember that. Um, let's talk to Ken in uh, Wauwatosa. Ken, you're in WTMJ. Yeah, I, I go a little farther back, The Untouchables, when it was on television. Oh, way back in the day. From 59 to, right. I think, 62. Right, Robert Stack, Stack, sure, playing Elliot yeah. Ness, sure. Well, that's, you know, I mean, thanks to that's, that's always, you know, you people love good crime stories. There's no question about that. Let's see, a couple on our text line. Um, Barney Miller or Welcome Back Cotter, The Rockford Files. Yeah, now see that was now. I mean, James Gardner's not with us anymore, but that would be good. Married with children, huh? Let's see. A lot of people saying "Last Man Standing." All sorts of great stuff. Okay, I could go on with this, but there is mark my words. If Roseanne continues to do well by next year, you're going to see more and more reboots um, of these shows. I think Cheers would be great, but also. Um, I do like the idea of home improvement. Don't be surprised if you see that. It's 2.54. We're going to find out what John and Melissa have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News in just a moment. Stick around.